world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. are hard to raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. So I have two very special guests in the studio today, Frank Puglisi, who's a dog trainer who specializes in behavior modification, and Bella, the dog who's <laughs> here now, the dog Bella. She's chewing on a treat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank, um, I guess Bella, was Bella um, one of the dogs that you trained? That's correct. Bella was uh, left in a shopping cart when she was like four months old oh. at a PetSmart adoption event. Okay. And she was moved to uh, different fosters where she developed food aggression. We got hired, uh, my company Behavior Plus, got hired to help Bella uh, overcome her food aggression. In the foster home, it was difficult to do, so I took Bella home to my house to work with her, and okay. uh, that was six years ago, and Bella never left. So she, like, if you put food out? or If you or put a bowl of food down for Bella, okay. you couldn't get within 15 feet of her. Oh, wow. You came anywhere near her, she would come after you. Okay. And so then you... Yeah, now we were sharing french fries before in the uh, <laughs> other room. Oh. So... How did you get into this field of uh, training dogs, of dog training? <laughs> I, I got into this field because my daughter brought home a pit bull puppy she found climbing out of a dumpster. Oh, uh, we okay. brought him home. He was supposed to spend just a, a few days, and, and a couple of days later, his name was Louie, and he wasn't leaving or going anywhere. <laughs> Louie, okay. A few weeks after that, Louie bit and broke my neighbor's finger, oh and my, my neighbor God. insisted that the dog not be put down but be rehabilitated. Okay. I couldn't find anyone in New Jersey who was willing to work with me. Wow. So I ended up hooking up with some rescue organizations, and they assisted me in classrooms and seminars and some practical experience and got me working, and we started working with Louie, and one thing led to another. The next thing we did was we were starting to train, and now we're a business. We've been training now for over 15 years, wow. and I've got over 15,000 documented hours with aggressive dogs. Really? Wow. Now... We we were talking uh, before the show, so a lot of times it. I guess what you were saying is it's it's not the dog, it's the. Uh, it's it's not the dog, it's, it's the human, and, it's and, and, the and you really need to match the dog with the human. Okay. You know, and and that's kind of sometimes what, where we get caught in because we get brought into people who have adopted either a pit bull puppy or they went to the shelter and they rescued what was a, a cute dog, but they didn't realize the type of breed they actually brought home. Okay. And now they're they're it, it happens quite often with elderly couples where they go yes. and they get a, a a puppy or somebody figures they're doing something nice by giving them a, right. a, a German Shepherd puppy right. or a or a Swiss Mountain Dog puppy to the 75 year old. Right. grandmother and now she has to walk this beast and it's just not as simple as it sounds right 
you know, these dogs require a tremendous amount of exercise, a tremendous amount of energy, and, and, and sometimes if we just take a little time to, to rethink what we're doing, we could match the dog right with the homeowner. Okay. There's plenty of elderly dogs in the shelters that would make wonderful companion pets that just kind of like to lie around and, you know, need a daily walk, but nothing's nothing substantial. Right. But you bring home a pit bull puppy, and at, at, at eight months, this dog is, it needs to run. This right. This dog needs to work. So we, so people could call your office and say, you know, I, I, I I'm thinking of getting my mom a dog or. or absolutely, okay. absolutely. If they contacted our office, we would end up uh, uh, direct them in the right direction. We would send them to several shelters where where they maintain older dogs. Okay. Um, which gives them the opportunity to pick a dog that's more compatible. Sure. With, with with their family member and how active and stuff like that. A lot of times, people don't go through the thought process of getting a dog. They, it's cute in the pet shop. Right, and yeah. people do that. And they, yeah. yeah, they get, I guess, a puppy as opposed to an older dog, not thinking. Well, not thinking. They think they're doing the right thing because they want the dog to be around for a while, but in, in essence, you have to raise that puppy. Right. And that puppy requires a lot of attention at the beginning. And and even though e- older people do it to themselves, where they, 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 they call us to help them because they went and got a puppy, and they're saying, I've had puppies before. But you're 60 now. The last time you had a puppy was you were 40. Right. You know, okay. and the time before that you didn't have any children. You were 20. Right. So it's it's, and they look back and they go, well, yeah, that's right. Now you're 60. You're in your 60s, and this dog requires the same amount of exercise as it did when you were 40, and you don't just can't do it anymore. Right. Right. So it's it, it's a difficult picking the right dog for for an elderly or for a senior is difficult, but not impossible. Just take your time. You know, there's plenty of dogs out there. Would you suggest certain breeds? A- any breed will work. Okay. It really will if you find the right temperament in that breed. Okay. We don't get breed specific. Behavior Plus does not turn any dog away. That is our logo. We we, we don't turn any dog away based on breed or temperament or anything. Um, no dog is ever turned away. And because we, we feel that every dog has an opportunity or at least deserves an opportunity. Right, right. It's great for the elderly person and it's great for the elderly dog because in the shelters you'll find... A lot of people will dump their dog in the shelter when it becomes too old. Oh, okay. Or when it becomes slowed down. Right. And or or slightly ill. And those dogs make great companion dogs for several years. Sure, yeah. You know, to seniors that don't that don't need a lot of attention, don't need a lot of work. But they're never they're never given you know, even even some of the shelters don't present them the correct way. You know, so you need to go looking for them. So now, if we, if someone went to a shelter and said, "Oh, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm," they pick an elder, uh, an elderly dog, I guess, you know, to bring to their mom. Would they call you and you would see if it? If they it wanted to call us and have us, uh, have us help them acclimate the dog to the home, we'd right. be more than happy to do that. That's what we do. Okay. Yes, we be- have trainers that will do specifically that, specifically in dealing with the elderly. Is he squeak? That's the squeak toy. She has a squeak. Yeah, she was given a squeaker by a different. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, because you find then people get a dog and they just kind of bring it home and yes. don't don't do anything with it. Well, they, they don't understand the needs and the balances of the dog, and you have to satisfy both the animal needs and the dog's needs before you can consider the breed. So. Each one of those is a different level, a different structure. And you were talking about dogs, um, that they're the only animal capable of bonding? They're, they're, when, it, when, you, when you look at animals to, to in, in, in the wild, the only, dog, the only animal that actually bonds with a human naturally is right. a dog. Okay. So it's not natural for a dog to bite a human. Right. It's not natural for a dog to fear a human. 
All right. So okay. anything that like that is, is is the dog is fighting Mother Nature or something traumatic happened that makes the dog fight Mother Nature, and that's a battle the dog won't win if rehabilitated correctly. So when you look at an animal like a dog, you have to remember it's still an animal, right. but it has an innate ability to bond with a human, which no other animal does. Right. Okay. And that's what separates it from the other animals. And what happens a lot of times is people, we kind of, you know, with a dog, we say, oh, my baby, or we have... No, we humanize it. Yeah. Yes, yes. We come home and we want to go about, oh, my little baby, how was your day today? Did you have a good day? And we go through that whole ritual every time we come home. And, right. and, and we humanize this dog and we turn this dog into a child, but it's still an animal. Right, okay. And if you remember that and you, and you, and you keep that in mind, then it's a, your relationship with the dog is a lot easier okay. and a lot less stressful. It's when you lose that and you start to give out things to the dog for free because a dog's job is to work. Okay. It works for everything. In the wild, the dog would be working for everything. It'd be working for food, be working for a place to sleep, it'd be working for uh, time to travel. The dog would be working for everything. So why would we bring it home and just give it things? It's not natural for the dog just to get things. Ah. That's not a natural state for the dog. It needs to work for a living. So it needs to work that. for affection. Right. So when we give a dog unearned affection, we appear in the dog's eyes to be weak. Uh-huh. And how can you take care of me if you're weak? interesting right i didn't even realize that you know and i've that a dog that that they need to work they need to work and and so when you even if you get a dog for a senior right working could be hanging out with the senior so the senior pets them right that's work (laughs) okay you know in the dog's world that's that's (laughs) it's it's a great job you know (laughs) but that's that's work okay you know just telling the dog to sit before he can come up on the couch is work Right, okay. Little things like that make the dog earn everything the dog gets. Okay. And that, in turn, keeps the dog in its place. And honestly, the dog does not want the keys to the store. It wants to be at the bottom. It's the cart kid. It wants to pick up the carts. It wants to do the labor. It doesn't want to be in charge of anything. It wants to be below the goldfish. And we don't realize that. And we don't realize that because they're so cute and we come home and they run up to us and they greet us and we say, that's all wonderful. Look, the dog loves me and... Right. We humanize it. Right, yeah. You know, and that's 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 good at some extents, but bad in others. Always remember it's an animal. Yeah, you know, sometimes like I, I, I go into a home to see a client and you hear this dog barking, 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 you know, and then uh, I, 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 the, the person opens the door and says, wait, I got to put the dog away, you know, and they throw the dog in the room or the dog is sitting there, you know, and it's growling at me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, that's because in, in the United States especially dogs are treated like humans yeah and and the one thing about the u.s is that people will spend thousands of hours teaching the dog agility or tricks but they won't spend any time teaching it how to answer the door (laughs) you're right because nobody comes to the door but the pizza guy or relatives right so the honesty is that they don't spend that much time worrying about it that's right but it's something that really needs to be addressed And, and if you do it the right way you can teach the dog to let anybody in And when we come back, we're with Frank Puglisi, dog trainer, and Bella. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6 foot 4 
250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play and on demand using the iHeartRadio app. And I want to thank our new listeners in Madison, Wisconsin, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Columbus, Georgia, Opelika, Alabama, and Pretoria, South Africa. Welcome, everyone, and we're so glad you're listening. So I'm here with Frank Puglisi, dog trainer. He specializes in behavior modification, and Bella. And Frank, we, we had started to talk about um, you train dogs for uh therapy dogs, emotional support dogs, and service dogs. Could you explain the difference? Sure. A, a, a therapy dog is a dog that is um, kind of the dog you take to the hospital, the dog that you take to the senior residence the dog okay. that comes and visits children. It's a dog that uh, people get to pet, makes them feel better. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a therapy dog. That's the function of a therapy dog. An emotional support dog would be your dog, and taking your dog into different places that make you nervous, make you feel better, ah, make okay. you feel comfortable. And, and, and Psychologists and psychiatrists, doctors have prescribed dogs to stay with individuals just to help comfort them, just to give them something to hold on to. That's an emotional support dog. Okay. A service dog performs a specific service. It's a dog that's been trained to fill a gap for someone with disability, okay. someone who can't perform a specific service. I can give you an example of a, a service dog we trained for an elderly woman because she would forget to take her medication. Okay. And she needed to take her pill every night at 9 o'clock. Right. So we taught the dog, who now wears a Casio watch on its collar, <laughs> and at 9 o'clock the Casio watch goes off and the dog jumps on the woman and she opens the little pill box and she t remembers to take her medication. Wow. So it doesn't matter where the dog is in the house or where the woman is, at 9 o'clock when that beep goes off, right. the dog finds her and delivers her medication. 
So that, that's a, that's a, a service a dog because it's performing a specific service for that individual. Wow, that is fantastic. I mean, there are so many patients who need that. Oh, my gosh, to be, you know. Yeah, and the dog also provides companionship and right. comfort and everything else that a dog provides. Right. So. I think about, um, you know, dementia patients with with dogs because, you know, first of all, they love to hold them. <laughs> that's that's, that's Bella. Bella. Squeaking, squeaking toy. Squeaking the toy. Um and I wonder, you know, I guess a dog could be trained uh, as a service dog maybe to live with a dementia patient. Uh, Depending on the disability, okay. th- yes, the dog could be trained if, if it's possible for the individual to be able to care for the dog. Okay. The dog can be trained to help comfort or okay. relieve the stress or the anxiety. For a lot of veterans with post-traumatic stress, we yes. train service dogs to help them um, interfere with the, the, the what would be considered, it's not a seizure, could be a flashback. It could okay. be a stressful event. An individual sitting in a room could all of a sudden become extremely anxious over the fact that there were so many people in the room, and the dog will go up and nudge and interfere with that anxiety okay. and then get petted. Petting a dog produces serotonin, right. and that relaxes okay. the human. So it can actually interfere or cu- even cut off the anxiety attack before the individual even knows he's having it. Right, okay. So a properly trained service dog can interfere with that, and that's a, a, a why we train the dogs for the veterans with PTSD. It helps them get through their day. I, you know, and I'm thinking even with, like, a dementia patient, if they can care for the dog, I mean, uh, you could teach the dog to wake up the patient? Absolutely. Okay. Um, to remember, I guess, where their clothes are? Well, the dog would be able to help them in certain aspects, but you have to keep in mind that specific tasks, each one of those tasks is a pairing with what the dog is supposed to do. So let's say if if the uh, alarm goes off, the dog wakes the person up. Okay. The the dog can't really guide the person through the home as much as the dog could remind the individual that they need to be in a specific area, like over towards the closet. Okay, perfect. So that they can remember to get their clothes or something like that. Right. You know, but there there are limitations to what the dog can do. But given enough time and and effort, the dog can, can perform a tremendous amount of tasks or at least guide the individual to help them perform those tasks. And that would be considered the service dog. That's fantastic. Now, so do you, um, I guess, you go into shelters and... The dogs that we work with now, currently we have a a volunteer service dog program with a shelter in New York State called High Tour Animal Care Center. And that volunteer program, uh, we pull dogs from the shelter and we train them to become service dogs. Okay. And then we pair them with veterans who need a dog. Okay. And it's done at no charge to the veteran. That's fantastic. And I guess when you look at a dog, like, what does it take to be a, a service dog? What do you look at? Well, we're looking at temperament right okay. off the bat. We want to make sure the dog is, is somewhat relaxed in every situation and every environment. Okay. And we use our dogs. We have I, I maintain a pack of my own pack of nine dogs, and we <laughs> use our dogs to test the dog okay. to make sure that this dog will, will actually ignore everything that's going on around it okay. and focus on the handler. Okay. And then from there, depending on what the dog's natural abilities are, that'll be discussed with what the handler would need. So um, let's say a dog is really, really good, at, has a really good nose. Mm-hmm. Like okay. we currently have a dog now that we're training as a service dog to help detect hypoglycemia. The dog huh. has a very, very good nose. Okay. And the, veter- the veteran suffers from diabetes. Okay. So the dog can actually detect when her blood sugar is low. Wow. 
<laughs> so we're training the dog to work with her so that she can be placed with it with her okay as her service dog wow it's fantastic what you're doing um and you you started to tell me uh, and then we went to break about your son could you tell me a little bit about that? well bella here is my actually uh she was actually came in as a as a client ended up staying and became my son's service dog my son suffered a traumatic brain injury playing college football and bella became his support um, not only did Bella surprise emotional support, my son would have what was known as micro seizures and would fall down. Um, Bella was able to detect those seizures before we were or even before he knew they were going to happen so she could guide him over to a corner or someplace or a chair before he would fall down. Wow. She was also able to, uh, she was taught to help him up. So Bella, at, at 65 pounds, she's a pit mix and she can stand very stiff and solid, allowing my son to push down on her to help get up. She can lead him in and out of the stores, and she reminds him to turn things off on the stove every now and then. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's amazing what 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 we can do with. It's it's amazing what they can do, yeah. and, and 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 we're only scratching the surface. A dog is not really a very studied animal, so people you know don't know that much about him because they just have them. You know, You're just, right. They're just there. You're right. I you mean, know, yeah, I always had a dog. Right. <laughs> it's just there. It's just there. <laughs> I always see people, I either see people like it's their baby, you know, the dog is... Well, that's <laughs> most dogs, especially in the United States, they're their baby, and, you know, and, and that's in the United States, you know, and but in every other country in the world, they're animals, you know, okay. and in some countries, they're lunch. Right. So <laughs> it, it, is, it is a consideration <laughs> that you have to keep in mind, but uh, here in the United States, they're, they're pampered. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's why the United States has as many problems and as many incidents as dog bites and everything they have because they're not treated like animals. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the dog just requires structure. Give it a structured environment. Give it some rules and boundaries. And you'll end up with a very balanced, relaxed dog. So the dog wants structure and balance. Absolutely. I, okay. It's constantly seeking for structure. Yeah, and it's looking for someone to tell it what to do. In their world, in a dog's world, the dog's primary function in their life is to wait. It's to wait until the pack leader tells it what to do. Okay. Uh, we're going to hunt, we're going to travel, we're going to sleep. All of those decisions are made by the pack leader. So the dog's primary function in life is to wait. So you as the human, if you take the role of the pack leader and you exercise the dog to drain the energy, yeah. structure the dog's world through discipline to tell it when it's supposed to move and when it's not, it'll fall back into its natural hmm. primary function and wait, which is what Bella's doing right now. Right, <laughs> yeah. She's just waiting. She's just waiting. She's waiting for the next command, and that's her job. Right, yeah. It's amazing. I know. We don't... Uh, so we don't look at dogs no. that way, and we don't train them that way, and we don't teach them that way, because we want to see the happy thing that you see on TV that's running across the screen and right. chasing the stick and swimming in the lake. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. But we don't, we don't look at the dog from just being a dog, whose primary function is to do whatever you tell it. And I guess, you know, you. Uh, the other thing I see, I guess, with dogs is the dog is just there. You know, it's a family and they have kids, and the dog is just there, and no one pays attention to it. No, they don't, and until something's wrong, and then there's a problem. But the problems stem from the fact that you didn't pay attention to the dog to begin with. Right. Because the, the, the dog itself doesn't make a decision to bite a human. That decision is brought on somewhere along the line from the human. You know, and then that'll trigger the dog to bite. I mean, think about it this way. What would make a dog feel so stressed, so upset, so scared, that it feels its only option is to bite? 
Right. So somewhere mm -hmm. along the line, the signs and symbols were coming out, and the human didn't pay any attention. What we do when we come in is we teach you what to look for. Okay. So when we rehabilitate, we rehabilitate teaching you this is what you're looking for. These are the signs the dogs will show. This is how it's going to work. And it doesn't matter about the breed. It doesn't matter about the size. The species is the species, and this is what it does. So if you have a dog that, I guess, someone called you because it bit someone, and you do you take it out of its environment? And no. no. We, we, re we rehabilitate it in the environment in the for envi which the problem, yeah. But we'll change the environment. Okay. You figure something in the environment is making the dog react the way it is. Okay. Environment plus a stimuli equals a reaction. Okay. So what was the environment like? What was the stimuli that brought this dog to that reaction? Right. Okay. So let's see if can we change the stimuli or can we train the dog to do a different reaction when it has the stimuli? So when it gets scared, can I teach it just to leave as opposed to bite? Ah, uh, okay. As walk away. You know, wow. <laughs> you teach so we can give the dog yeah. another option. We can give right. the dog another choice. And then we make that choice through repetition the only choice. Because I was going to say, how do you know then that the dog will be okay? Well, uh, use Bella as an example. Okay. Bella was food aggressive. Okay. So we made it, we used to feed Bella almost 15 times a day to get the repetitions on to be excited, not to be excited when the food came. Okay. So over and over and over and over until she became relaxed enough for us to place the bowl down. Okay. That allowed us then to do the next step, which would be to take the bowl away. <laughs> okay. And Bella became relaxed enough where we could put the bowl down and pick the bowl up. Okay. Put the bowl down and pick the bowl up. So Bella found out that the only way for me to put the bowl down is to be relaxed, and the only way to get it back is to stay relaxed. Okay. Because if she growled or displayed aggression, the bowl would leave. Ah, okay. So, so just through repetition, repetition, Bella learned, yeah. this is how I react. It's amazing what you can do. I encourage people to get, um, you know, for their parent, if, if, if they're lonely, you know, they live alone, um, I, I encourage them to get a dog. A dog is an excellent companion, especially for an elderly person that needs to get out. Okay. It gives them an excuse. It forces them to go out. Right. Even if it's just down to the end of the block and back with right. the dog, you need to get out. Right. It takes up a part of the day. It gives the individual someone to talk to. Yeah. It gives the individual someone to tell you secrets to that will never tell them to anyone else. <laughs> right. So, That's right. So for an elderly person, a properly matched dog can be a real, real advantage. Well, this was great. You know how I love dogs. Frank, tell us how people can reach you, that you're, you're in you New can Jersey. You can reach us. We're in New go? Jersey. You can reach us at behaviorplus.gmail, and you can visit our website at behaviorplus.info. And you do, you, you travel? We travel up and down the East Coast. Fantastic. I hope this episode helped you with something you may be dealing with at this moment. Please keep emailing us your questions and comments, and share as much detail as you can. Because listeners just like you come here each week for insight and inspiration. And your story can also help someone else. Please email me at diane at parentsarehardtoraise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. If you found something helpful in this episode, subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. And I'd be so grateful if you share this episode with your family, coworkers, and friends. Episode number 67. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, 
the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments and can't wait till we meet up again on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember and remember everything you don't want to forget. Say goodbye, Bella. (coughs) 